0: They've tried a million times, it hasn't worked out. So when we exhibit compassion towards them, they see that, they feel that, they internalize that. And I think a lot of times we can make this very explicit when we have a literal conversation with our clients about how is this between us? Like the way that we're communicating right now, how is this for you? How does this feel? How could I be doing this differently? What do you need from me right now? Like that can be very motivating, but it's compassionate because it's real and it's authentic.
1: What is up Fit Farm fam? Welcome to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. My name is Dr. Adam Martin. I am a practicing pharmacist, nutrition consultant, author and lover of living life to the fullest. Each episode on the podcast, I will dispense to you an innovator and expert in the world of healthcare so they can share their story, their struggles, and best practice tips to empower you to nail your nutrition, master your mindset, fit in fitness, and take your level of impact to the next level with simple solutions for how to live with passion and purpose. Thank you for spending your time with me today. Now, let's discuss how to dispense your full potential. I know what I need to do, I just need to get more motivated to get it done. Motivational interviewing is a skill you may have heard about, it's a counseling method that helps people resolve ambivalent feelings and insecurities to find the internal motivation they need to change their behavior it is a practical empathetic and short-term process that takes into consideration how difficult it is to make life changes this definition given by psychology today now if you're listening to this and you're a pharmacy student pharmacist or other healthcare professional looking to help your patients make positive change in their lives you know how important the skill of motivational interviewing can be at bringing a patient's power out to the forefront of their consciousness, especially with behavior-driven changes looking to be made in smoking cessation counseling. So I thought this would be an excellent episode to really break down the skill of motivational interviewing so that you can learn how to really master it from one of the masters on the topic. Who has extensive expertise and is a world renowned expert of health psychology, Dr. Corey Probst, who is the wellness director and vice president of the Diet Doc LLC. She has earned a bachelor's degree in exercise physiology, a master of science in counseling, and a doctorate in health psychology and behavioral medicine. Her education is enhanced by certifications in personal training, health coaching, mindfulness meditation and Lifestyle and Weight Management Consulting. She is also an ISSN, International Society of Sports Nutrition, clinician. Corey specializes in nutrition and weight loss consulting, incorporating a flexible approach and customized programming, mind-body integration, optimal athletic performance, eating psychology and emotional coaching, mindset and peak performance coaching, and overall well-being. Corey is one of a few athletes who have earned professional status in all three divisions of bodybuilding, figure, and fit body within the World Natural Bodybuilding Federation. She also has been a runner-up at the WNBF World Championships twice and has earned pro titles at the Mid-America Pro AM and the Pro Crop in Sacramento. Now an avid road cyclist, Corey can be found among the hills of North County, San Diego. Now, if that's not enough, when she's not coaching client or coaching services, she's cycling, hiking, camping, watching Blacklist, which is awesome, planting (laughs) succulents in her yard with Ben, reading nonfiction books, or eating. (laughs) If she could do a do-over because her life isn't so exceptional enough, she would be a food critic, Celine Dion, or have a faster metabolism. (laughs) Yeah. Dr. Corey at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Corey, welcome back to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare podcast.
0: Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Adam. And thank you for that lovely intro.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was so, so masterfully crafted. <laughs> it's, it's like a pro wrote it or something.
0: <laughs> Joe probably wrote the thing. I'm not going to take credit for that. I can't write about myself like that. That's just weird. I added the last few sentences. <laughs>
1: I like, well, the last three are the best, and I definitely could tell you wrote those because I mean, yeah, I'd like a faster metabolism. That... <laughs> so, with this topic, and to give people a little insight if they're not familiar with your work, yeah. not only are you a phenomenal clinician for clients and patients looking to get a better life, but you coach coaches, you help coaches. Bring out the best in themselves so they can bring out the best in their patients, which is similar to what I do with pharmacy students and pharmacists. You've been doing it for a lot longer and you have a lot more experience with this. And it's really inspiring to see this because I'm one of those coaches that you have coached in helping me to overcome my limiting beliefs and find my internal motivation so I can really flourish to dispense my full potential so I can give that to others I coach and my patients and clients. Um. So first, I want to acknowledge you for that amazing skill and talent that you have and just say thank you because it truly works. I know I have a lot longer road ahead of me and a lot more to learn, but just in the time that I've known you, which has been since 2013, I just really appreciate all that you do. So thank you first and foremost for being that awesome coach.
0: Gosh, thank you, Adam. That's, that's very nice to hear. And I'm right there alongside of you with the work that... <laughs> we still have ahead of us and the learning and the knowledge to be gained. I learn a lot from the coaches that I coach and a lot from the clients that I walk alongside. And, you know, in terms of motivational interviewing that really is what it's about is walking alongside our clients. Not kind of, we're not, we're not like leading them. Like we're not dragging them behind us trying to, Convince them to change. It really is about helping them to discover their strengths and discover their aptitudes and capacities that are already inside of them. And that goes for us as coaches as well, and those who are working with other people. You don't even have to be a coach to learn this skill and have it be beneficial in your life. This is a way of being with other people, a way of communicating. It's a strengths based way. And it's centered around the person that, that you're with. So it's a real generative sort of sort of perspective. And I'm thank you again. I mean, I'm happy to hear that it's made a big difference in your life. And you know, I will add that I think motivational interviewing helps us to take the pressure away from thinking that we need to have all the answers and yes. that we need to be the expert and you know, if a client asks a question, really, sort of how we're moving into that space with them is that they have the answers inside of them. Exactly. We're just helping facilitate them discovering them.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. And I really like that this transcends all areas of life. So you don't have to be a coach, you don't have to be a pharmacist. But if you are a coach, looking at a client that you're helping to lose weight or gain muscle they're going to have stumbling blocks, but allowing them, just like you said, to unveil the answers that are within them. Um, If you're in the clinical area as a pharmacist counseling someone on smoking cessation, where are they in that change process? Or if you're neither of those, and you're just looking to be a better husband, a better boyfriend, a better wife, having that understanding to have that conversation and not try to fix or change someone, but to really be able to Meet them where they are, and that concept is one of the biggest um, light bulb pivotal moments in in my coaching career. Is really understanding that at a core level is you're not going to make any change if you don't meet someone where they are, and then not tell them, but walk with them to where they're looking to go. Um, and that's why I really believe that motivational interviewing is so important, not just as a coach, not just as a clinician. Uh, but as a a person and an empathetic human being. Um, So I'm really excited to have you here because you have so much experience in all of those different areas at at a very high success rate. So I just wanted to invite you to share uh, what you would deem as the five keys to skillful interviewing as it relates to motivational interviewing.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Adam. You mentioned one of them already. You said empathy, (laughs) empathic. That's one of the first I would call best practices or skills to begin embodying in this partnership that we develop um, with with our clients or with our patients. Um, empathy is, because there are lots of different definitions, but at its core, it's it's active and reflective listening. And The second word that you said, Adam, that popped out at me was understanding. So empathy does not mean we're going into interactions with our clients or patients, assuming that we know what is best for them or what direction that they should move in. If we are, we're going into, you know, we're going into director mode. We're going into convincing mode. And that is not part of one of That's not one of the skills. So it's active and reflective listening to really promote a sense of trust and to create a space of safety so that this person that we're engaging in this, literally it's like a dance because we are moving together um, to promote an increased sense of engagement and literally the sense of energy to embody curiosity so that w- that's number one is to learn how to as a clinician express empathy. The second key skill would be to uh, develop discrepancy and what this means is that you're going to engage in this dance and active listening and working to understand to create a new level of awareness for the client or patient. And the awareness is, it's about understanding what the negative consequences are of the behavior that they're engaging in. And we can get at this at mul- from multiple levels. So, you know, you mentioned smoking cessation. Say you're working with a patient who, who is smoking and they have a number of conditions <laughs> that are the consequences of this behavior. Asking them questions about how this behavior is affecting their family relationships, how this behavior is affecting them in, um, with maybe within their community, how is this behavior affecting them in their in you know the career realm? So we're looking at getting at different contexts and creating that level of awareness about the gap between what they're doing right now, the current behavior and what their ideal or desired behavior would be and helping them to understand like where the differences are. There's a technique called the decisional balance technique. And this is something that has been really highly valuable for me in my coaching sessions. When I'm, when I first start working with a client and even like in the middle of our work together This is something that I can come back to is to ask them to identify the advantages and the disadvantages of let's use the smoking example again, of continuing to smoke advantages and disadvantages, and then ask them to identify the advantages and disadvantages of not smoking. Hmm. It's super powerful.
1: Yep. Because you didn't tell them they, they tell themselves.
0: Exactly. They're, they're discovering the answers through the answering of the questions instead of me going, you know, you really should stop smoking. And here are the 10 reasons why. Now, education is an important part of motivational interviewing, but it has to be done carefully. It has to be done skillfully. It has to be done at the right time, (laughs) We're coming into contact with patients and clients who are at different levels of readiness. Some people are going to come in and be like, I am ready. I'm quitting smoking. I want to start, not tomorrow, but like right now. Here are all the reasons why. Here are the perceived barriers that might get in my way. Help me. And then you have someone on the other end of the spectrum who's in, they're still, they're they're not even contemplating. They're in pre-contemplation mode where they're like, Yeah, I don't even really think that smoking is a problem. So (laughs) we have to learn as clinicians to do the dance based on, like you said, where the client is. And it's through this kind of interviewing collaborative partnership process that we begin to understand where they actually are. We can't make that assumption. So number two, the second skill is to develop that discrepancy between their behaviors, and their values, their intrinsic values and motives, like what's driving them. The third skill is to avoid argument. And I kind of feel like this should go without me having to even say it. Argument, (laughs) it's not going to help if you get into an argument with your client, right? Or your patient. What does it do? Well, you know what, if you're trying to push your client or coerce your client or direct your client, it's going to create defensiveness. You know, when you meet aggression with some sort of a, aggression, it you just you create more aggression, you create more intensity. If someone comes at me and says, you have to do this, I'm going to be the first person to like dig in my heels and, and say, screw you. No, I don't have to do anything that you tell me. So we want to minimize arguments so that we don't create defensiveness. Again, we want to create trust, a yep. space of safety for them to be able to explore. Um, the fourth skill is to roll with resistance. And I just want to say, Adam, that I don't like that word. <laughs> I don't use that word. And I encourage my coaches not to use that word. if they. You know, I've received emails from coaches, and my client is resistant. I'm like, "Uh, uh," like, let's stop right there, because when we when we label a client as resistant, that's already creating defensiveness on our part, as clinicians. It makes us want to dig in our heels, and we become more of that sort of authoritarian. I know the answers. They should be doing what I'm telling them. They need to do. That's not empathy. (laughs) That's not, yeah, it is. It's judgmental. It's not, we're not seeing them in a, in a positive light with positive regard. And those have to be the foundations. So rolling with resistance means that it's what it is. It's a signal that the client views something differently than we do. And now, okay, that's awesome. Now we can work on understanding that, right? And it also indicates that we're prob- we probably need to shift or change strategy in some way, move into a new way of interacting. So that, the resistance piece is really huge because if we, if we do something defensive with that, Adam, what ends up happening is we can create fear among the client we we can create a sense of shame and stigma we end up trying to convince them of something a lot of times and often because we're a lot of times we're engaging with clients who don't necessarily have a really robust or strong sort of constitution or maybe principles or they haven't necessarily been given the opportunity by someone before to really explore that stuff, they can fall into this place of self-criticism mm-hmm. and that is never going to bode well because when we start blasting ourselves and speaking very harsh, that internal critic pops up, that doesn't move, that's not motivating, it doesn't move us in a positive direction, it makes us want to give up.
1: Yep, most disempowering. Times.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So that's number four is roll with resistance. And then the fifth skill is to support self-efficacy. And self-efficacy is just the, the belief in our ability to influence our lives, to influence the circumstances of our lives. And what we're doing when we are, when we're supporting self-efficacy is we're, we're increasing a sense of hope, <laughs> we're increasing a sense of optimism that, you know, this is possible. We are generating possibilities with our clients. So in a nutshell, those are five key skills.
1: I love that. So learn how to express empathy, express understanding of consequences, discuss discrepancy, avoid argument, roll with resistance and support Mm -hmm. Mm self-efficacy.
0: Yeah. those, Those are the foundations.
1: Now that's the foundation for motivational interviewing and building that trust so that you can have that open conversation to really getting at the heart of the issue the quote issue that's Mm -hmm. in the way of just like you said bridging the gap from where they are to where they want to be their ideal Mm -hmm. outcome now as far as doing that so that's setting the stage Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. the actions to change that behavior Mm -hmm. what have you found to be the most effective way to make that behavior change
0: Yeah, I think that first of all, Adam, it comes down to as coaches, having an understanding that ambivalence with making a change is normal. Let's not assume that it means the person is lazy, doesn't really want to change. I mean, how many times have we heard that? And we've heard clients say that too. I must not really want it if I'm not taking these steps. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. (laughs) Um, We have plenty of examples probably in our own lives where we want to change and we don't want to change. There are big reasons why we need, we should and could and need to consider changing. And there are big reasons why it would make sense to remain the same. And as human beings, even if we're uncomfortable, even if we recognize that Change would be in our best interest. Remaining the same, there's a pull towards that, right? Because Comfort. it's, it's comfortable, even though it's uncomfortable, it's familiar is what it is. We've, we've literally crafted our lives around these certain behaviors. Our friendships may be involved in them. Our careers may be racked into them. I mean, every context probably has some tentacle attached to that behavior. So ambivalence is normal. We need to go into every session recognizing that this sort of back and forth, this volley with our patients and clients is completely normal. And it's based on what I like to call competing commitments. Mm. So let's take, let's take weight loss as an example. I have a client who sits in front of the television in the evening with her husband and they have ice cream together every night on a practical level. Could this, could this work? Could this person still lose weight, have ice cream? Yes, probably. She wants to change the behavior though. She doesn't want to sit in the front of the TV every night and eat ice cream. She'd like to have a healthier snack, something that, you know, serves her better. But guess what? That ice cream is attached to time with her husband. (laughs) That's the only time during the day when she gets to be with her husband and when they get to have that shared experience together. So changing that behavior could potentially be very uncomfortable because she has this commitment to her relationship, right? And she has committed this commitment to her goal of weight loss and better health. Like, it feels like they're competing.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, our job as clinicians then would be to acknowledge both of those commitments, express an understanding around them, help her to understand them both better, recognize that they're both important. And of course, we want to help facilitate both, and then help her to discover. Alternatives and opportunities for change in both areas. So simple example of competing commitments. Another thing that I have learned throughout my work in doing this is that stories are powerful.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) It is one thing to say, you know, Susie, I... Recognize that in everything that you've shared with me so far, uh, you're in a very difficult place right now. On one hand, you recognize that this is something you absolutely need to remove from your life. And on the other, you have so many different things tied to this behavior in terms of really important relationships you know, friendships that could potentially dissolve if you, if you let go of this behavior. That's difficult. That's one thing. Another thing is, Susie, I'd like to tell you a story about another client that I have who was in a very, very similar situation as yours. And you bring their experience to life outside of them so that they can see it's possible. That other people have done this. Stories are super powerful. Start collecting stories, guys. <laughs> as clinicians, you need them. Have them, that's part of your toolbox. You want to be able, as Adam says, to dispense those. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. You definitely want that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, stories, because other clients can be role models. A lot of times, even though we create a sense of Safety and in a space for these clients to be themselves and exactly who they are in the moment, whatever stage of readiness they are. They often look to us as experts, as these perfect people who maybe don't have these problems or who have never experienced what they are before. And so it can be difficult, oftentimes initially, for them to relate. So for us to have those stories on the ready can be really, really helpful. Um, one other thing that I will add that has been very powerful for me and my work is to separate the person from the behavior.
1: Yes. So, so big. It's helped (laughs) me a lot, actually. So I I can, I can attest to this. (laughs) Awesome.
0: Yeah. So a lot of times the behavior becomes so entrenched in our lives that we become very identified with it. Yeah. I am, I'm a smoker, (laughs) um, I have an eating disorder and it becomes, it becomes, we become it, like we become fused to it. And so it, it is really, really difficult to pull it apart and disidentify from it and create some sort of space and, and distance to be able to look at it to almost, um, it's all, we get a feeling of standing outside of it and and looking onto it instead of it being internal. I have a client right now that I'm working with who struggles with, um, with binge eating. And, you know, she talks about the urge. She talks about the craving. um, And she's, I've asked her to give it a name. When we do that, there's almost this automatic sort of, okay, now it's outside of me. If I give it a name, it's almost like it's a person and I can have a conversation with it and I can talk to it and I can say, look, here's how it's going to be. You know, I know that you're trying to protect me in many ways. Like you want me to hide from this. You want me to run from this emotion, except ah, difficult as it is sometimes like that's not in my best interest. So here's how we're going to do this. <laughs> so...
1: lock puppets.
0: Uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's another strategy.
1: I saw you looking at your hand. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of my clients, they just keep everything in their heads. And it gets all jumbled up up there. And so to... Remove it and have someone or something that they can talk to. That's we externalize it. It's almost like an exorcism in, in some ways, where like here it is, it's right here. You can talk to it, tell it, tell it how it's going to be. Um, can I add one more thing?
1: Oh, absolutely, an emotional exorcism.
0: There we go. Yeah, put that in the toolbox. Yeah,
1: <laughs> just I'll get my holy water. <laughs> I don't have time to work out. Eating healthy is not possible as a pharmacist. There's so many things to juggle. I just feel so stressed out. I can barely even keep it together. Guys, if this is you, I totally understand. I have been practicing pharmacist full-time for over seven years. I've been through the hurdles, living through the trenches, and through my time with that, have developed simple solutions to help empower you to not only fit in fitness, but nail your nutrition and master your mindset empowering you to lead by example through living a healthy lifestyle. I put all these solutions in an easy-to-read, applicable, and simple guide for you to read in my new book, RxU, The Pharmacist's Guide for Managing Stress and Fitting in Fitness. If you haven't gotten your copy, check the show notes for a link so that you can get yours today and get started to dispense your full potential.
0: You know, Adam, you gave a really good talk at our uh, annual owner conference a couple weeks ago, Thank you. and the theme of it, it was, it was based on social media, but the theme of it was vulnerability, right? We, as clinicians, must be willing to be vulnerable in these sessions with our patients and with our clients. Vulnerable doesn't mean spewing emotion everywhere. Vulnerability does mean it includes boundaries. Like vulnerability has boundaries to it. It's not bleeding our emotions all over the place. But what I mean by vulnerability is in the space that we have with our clients, we are literally teaching them through the ways that we are behaving and the ways in which we are asking them questions and the ways in which we are affirming what they're sharing with us. And in the ways in which we are summarizing and kind of we're literally like fact checking with them, we're fostering self-compassion. So when we, when we reflectively listen and we're kind of like in, in those moments we're synthesizing what the client is giving to us in terms of content and we're paying attention to the process, like, how they're giving it to us what is their body language what's their tone of voice are we seeing emotion within them or on them um and we we kind of hazard a guess so to speak about what the client is experiencing and what they're conveying when we summarize okay so how, let me make sure that i am understanding correctly And then we kind of repeat back what they've shared with us. What we're doing is we are literally modeling for them what they can begin doing for themselves. Because these, these individuals typically have that very harsh inner critic. They're bad. They're wrong. They're never going to get it. Why did I think that I ever could do this? Failure. Failure. Failure is like, that's their middle name. Right, they've tried a million times, it hasn't worked out. So, when we exhibit compassion towards them, they see that, they feel that, they internalize that. And I think a lot of times we can make this very explicit when we have a literal conversation with our clients about how is this between us, like the way that we're communicating right now how is this for you? How does this feel? How could I be doing this differently? What do you need from me right now? Like that can be very motivating, but it's compassionate because it's real and it's authentic. They are learning how to communicate and be in the world compassionately and authentically also. Mm -hmm. So that's the other, that would be another thing is that, you know, empathy and compassion, teaching our clients how to be, Self-compassionate, also.
1: That's a really good point. Is the whole self-compassion is showing that and sharing that uh, through vulnerability? Because a lot of times when we're coaching people, we saw the value of coaching or being coached ourselves, so mm-hmm. we can share that, and that builds trust and rapport and everything that you, you touched on in the beginning of this podcast. Yeah, um, and I totally agree with that, hundred uh, percent. Just as a previous client, now coach. Um, mm-hmm. that, that really works very effectively with clients, too. Just saying, you know, oh, you've never gone through this. Oh, well, actually, here's a story. So tying in the story. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That. It's um, I will say, Adam, that it takes a level of to do motivational interviewing. Well, it takes some temperance. It takes just practicing groundedness. Because and, and I'll speak for myself here. I come from a cognitive behavioral background. I come from a very sort of um, volatile professional space where, and some of your listeners may have heard me talk about this before. But you know, I was what, what is called a, a multisystemic therapist. So I was, in earlier in my counseling career, referred through the court systems to go into clients' homes and provide in-home family therapy with kids who were at risk of being placed out of the home, you know, taken to juvenile detention or um, inpatient treatment, because what we know is it's much healthier for them to stay in their natural environment if we can change it (laughs) in a way that's going to be, you know, have a balance between warmth and discipline. So I'm walking into these situations and I'm the enemy. I'm referred through the court system. Like, you don't want to trust me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So I really had to learn how to walk in with no assumptions, you know, I'm not the expert, I'm here to meet you guys, help me understand where you're coming from. Like I am a blank canvas, I don't know anything about you. And even even currently when I'm working with clients, part of me is like, I don't wanna read anything about this person until I can have a chat with them first. (laughs) I don't want any knowledge of them. And you know, I can't do that in every situation, but, When I can, it really, it removes that, like, I'm going in with guns a-blazing, and I know what's going to be best based on what diagnosis they already have, and um, gosh, that, you go in like that, and it just, it it does not help to promote that, that safe space for them to be who they are and to be able to explore.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Natural human reaction. Like if uh, you ask someone to hold their hands out and Mm -hmm. you say, just do that and you push down on it, their Mm -hmm. hand's not going to move because they're pushing back. Mm -hmm. So if you come in pushing, that's their natural, whether they realize it or not, their their defenses are just going to come right up in an emotional way.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just some very simple things, Adam. You're an incredible reflective listener, by the way. Thank you you're welcome, well-practiced, and patient, and it's probably different for you like it is for me when I'm on the other side of it, right? (laughs) If I'm being coached, or if I am a patient, it can feel very, very different for me uh, than when I am the coach. I mean, I've I have a doctor that I go to that I don't particularly like. And I I use these experiences to remember how to be in the room with my own clients. Because just thinking about what my experiences have been like sitting across from the doctor, I'm like, I don't ever want to go there again. I don't want to try to have a conversation with her because it was all, this is what you need to do. Last time I saw her, it was like, you just need to gain weight. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm not doing this. That is never the reaction that we want our clients to have. So convincing, arguing, challenging them, like in a sort of um, defensive and sort of vitriolic way, And I know there are coaches out there that do this. It's not ideal. (laughs) We don't want to interrupt them. Uh, There should never be any hostility. But on the flip side, if we're getting that from our clients, it means that we need to shift gears. Okay, let's not blame them for getting hostile, for, for, arguing or interrupting it usually what most people would call resistance it usually means that we need to take a step back and assess what's going on in here we're probably tight we're probably getting defensive we're probably get, feeling a little bit threatened and we're just pushing too hard like you said push push back yep so there's so, this in, internal work that needs doing
1: to absolutely. do this absolutely well. and it's really empowering for yourself if instead of saying like, Oh, this client doesn't listen, they never do this and never do that. Well, you're not in control of the reaction. So if you're blaming it on their reaction, you're giving your power away. What if instead you just took ownership, like, Oh, maybe I'm coming at them in a way that's allow the causing them to have that reaction to, you know, Mm -hmm. stop and ignore everything I say, like, maybe it's me. So when you come at it that way, you just gave yourself all the power. Because the change in outcome comes at how you are going to show up, how you're going to approach and interact with that client. So if you do that and think, how can I reframe this to make it more open, to make it more well-received, you now are in control again at the outcome because it's on you to make that change, not on the other person. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot of times when our clients too are acting in ways that we might label as resistant, Adam, they're they're, they're protecting themselves not trying to hurt us they're protecting something that is deeply deeply maybe wounded or important to them
1: maybe their autonomy
0: yeah which i mean i'm glad you brought that up because you know if we're looking at motivational interviewing we have to understand what's at the foundation of motivation and autonomy is what is one of those concepts so the one of the three basic psychological needs as you are aware of autonomy is that sense of volition that we have a choice that we have a sense of agency in in our lives that we're not being coerced. So yeah, if they feel that that and most people aren't going to think consciously like my autonomy is being threatened.
1: <laughs> I know someone who does. <laughs> our,
0: our clients usually are not going to be thinking that they're going to feel feel the tightening in their bodies and this anger rising up. And oftentimes it's because their autonomy is threatened in some way. It's being fractured by the situation, circumstances, inputs that are coming in. Um, The other two that are important is competence. Okay. So a sense of having some level of skill and ability, and capacity. So Mm. telling
1: a client, like, you did it all wrong, why did you do it this way? (laughs) Also threatens that.
0: Threatens that, breaks, rips that to shreds. Perfect. Exactly. And then uh, connection or belonging. That's a sense of belonging that, you know, we're appropriate for the world, that we don't necessarily have to change to be acceptable. What I love about that one, Adam, is that when, and I'll speak for myself personally, when I have this belief that, you know what, I, I could be okay not changing just as I am. I'm not broken. I don't need to be fixed in any way to be appropriate for and acceptable in this world. I can be loved as I am. Guess what that creates? Motivation. To change it (laughs) because I'm not being forced.
1: The way out is through.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So if you have a coach that isn't being vulnerable and open, you don't feel like you can connect with them. And that is threatened as well. So it's interesting how all these three concepts, these three basic psychological needs can really thwart a client's progress if you don't have the right coach that provides these three things. Um, which is something that you have taught me and Dr. Joe as well in, in coaching. Uh, and that's what I have created with a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Kevin mm-hmm. in creating this platform where clients can come and feel safe and feel connected. Because we have a bunch of people that are sharing their stories, their struggles and what they quote, failed at, but really learned to not do again (laughs) and are sharing Mm -hmm. that so that you can learn as well. We Mm -hmm. have that autonomy because we all have different lives. Some of us are parents, some are not. Some are going different routes in our careers. Some are just starting, some are changing. So that whole, like, this is my identity, this is what I'm doing. Like, Mm -hmm. that's totally part of that as well is supporting everyone where they are and where they're looking to go. Um, So if you guys listening to this Are looking to make changes and you've tried before and you've had these things come up from a coach that tells you what to do Um, you're doing it wrong not supportive they're just kind of cookie cutter do this they don't engage with you they don't share and open up and share their struggles to help you get through yours and learn along the way there's a solution and it's right here with the fit pharmacist that's what we've been doing for years um, and I, like I said, have been coached from Dr. Corey and Dr. Joe to do this. Uh, and it's, it's been a great journey and it's really fun for me because I get to see people that are unleashing the power that's always been there. It's just been lying dormant and to see them have that moment where, wow, I had this answer all along because they mm-hmm. say like, oh, Adam, thanks so much for doing this. I'm like, oh, oh, oh I didn't do anything. Who <laughs> did that all? You're the yeah. one that took these actions. You're the one that made these changes. You just <laughs> had that partner, that guidance, that community to empower that autonomy mm-hmm. so that you can relate and get to your goals where you're looking to go based on where you're starting from.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very articulate, Adam. Well said. I, I believe you're talking about the metabolic map. That's right. Your epic life that you're, you and Dr. Brunacini are doing.
1: Come script your success with the metabolic map. That's right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And we I talk hope. nutrition. We have uh, live videos through here. It's a private Facebook group uh, where you guys can interact, learn from us. We've been doing this for many, many years um, with Dr. Corey and Dr. Joe. Uh, there's so much content, so much support. But the thing that makes it awesome is it's actually fun. It's mm. not like a college course because I'm done with <laughs> OK guys. I'm not doing OK no more. <laughs> I'm about telling uh, poop jokes and fun recipes, and that's oh, really. To enjoy the process. Yeah, Corey, you want in on it too. I know it. (laughs) I don't! (laughs) Yeah, so that's uh, something that I I wanted to share with you guys in all of this is if you're a coach, if you're a client, looking to really take your level of health and feeling of purpose and just how you feel day to day Mm -hmm. in being in line with your goals instead of feeling like you're going through self-sabotage, instead of feeling like you're getting in your own way. Instead of feeling like I know what to do, I just don't do it. All of these things that just make us feel disempowered, that make us feel like we're, quote, doing something wrong or, quote, failing. If that's how you've been feeling but you've been trying things, don't lose hope. This is what we're here to do is guide you through that. Not tell you what to do, not say you're doing it wrong, but meet you where you are and lead you to where you want to go. And the reason that's important is because everyone has a different destination. We all have a different starting point and that's why this is fun is doing it together mm-hmm. sharing being open with all of these things because guys I'm not perfect I've done some dumb stuff <laughs> and come and oh. hear it yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're fun stories so at the time it wasn't so fun but now I can look back and laugh um, and, and I'll invite you to laugh yeah. at me too so
0: <laughs> that's so important Adam that last piece like that we can be human together yeah. yes yes yes
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely with that. So guys, so much value in this podcast about how to do motivational interviewing, whether it's as a clinician, if you're a pharmacy student or a pharmacist, if you're a coach, um, if you're a client and you don't see results, look at how your coach is doing this. Maybe it's that. Or if you're in none of those areas and you just want to be a better human, you want to be a better best friend, a better significant other, whatever that may be. Look at that awareness. Listen to this podcast again and look at those key aspects that can really empower and enlighten where you are in those interactions. Um, the second thing that Dr. Corey shared was what works for changing your behavior. That understanding that ambivalence with change is normal. Not making assumptions, not coming in with um, preconditions and, and things like that, but really having that awareness that you pe- most people don't want to change. There's a reason they're there it's comfortable it's familiar it empowers that sense of i know this mm-hmm. i have this competence so keep that in mind too and then we w- looked at what to avoid if you really want to change so those pitfalls of just not just as a coach but as a client things your mindset where that's going giving your emotions your identity which is a huge thing i see people do is if they expect to lose weight and they don't they might've failed their goal, but they elevate that to, I am a failure. Mm -hmm. So really being aware of your internal language, that's super huge. And then the other things to help promote that change, the things that will serve you, that will give you the tools. We talked about some really good ones that -hmm. will help you, whether it's a coach or client listening to this, to get you to where you're going based on where you are. Um, so I really got a lot of value from this myself, uh, and was really, really happy to have this conversation with you, Dr. Corey. Um, and again, I want to acknowledge you for all the work that you do, not just for clients, but for coaches like myself, uh, to bring myself to my best potential every day so that I can show up more and more for the people that I serve. So thank you for all the work that you've done with me and for me and for everyone else listening to this Mm. podcast.
0: Thank you, Adam. I appreciate that.
1: Dr. Corey, where can people best connect with you? Because you have some awesome things, not just with mindset, but physical fitness as well. Hmm. Do you want to share about what what little, quote, little (laughs) bike ride (laughs) you're going to be going on soon?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I am doing the Central Oregon 500. So it's a century a day for five days. So it's a 500 mile ride in 5 uh, days. Yeah. 100 miles a day.
1: Cuz that's normal. <laughs> oh well, man.
0: I never said I was normal. <laughs>
1: oh no. I am just so used to saying normal because I'm so weird. It's just like this is my normal.
0: <laughs> what is that? I don't I don't know yeah, what normal is. exactly. It mm. it was something that I decided to do because it's out of the norm. <laughs> I I wanted a challenge and I I I wanted something that was, I knew was going to be difficult, but doable, right? We could have a whole nother podcast on how to set goals. But, um, and I wanted to do it with someone who I cared about and have that shared experience. It was never something that I wanted to do on my own. That, that just doesn't even sound fun to me. It was being able to uh share stories around it and get other perceptions around it and so yeah that's happening in about a week and a half and
1: wow i'm excited that's i'll cool. come back
0: with a lot of butt sores
1: <laughs> and i expect a full review through a podcast all about how that went because ooh, yes that'll ooh, be I'm really excited to hear that. That's such a not just a physical feat, but a mental feat. The, the preparation, the the follow through, all of that. Like, I I mean, I've never done it, so I can't even begin to imagine. But
0: so, Adam, that's it. That because I had I had planned on doing this other um, much more involved, more difficult thing before this one, and the goal there was. I don't know how I am going to act and I want to see where my limits are. (laughs) So I know that I can do this physically. I know that I can. I want to see where the breaks occur mentally Mm. and emotionally. They will be there. I just don't know where. And I'm so fascinated by that. Luckily, I have someone that I'm riding with who can take it, whatever that may be or however that may look, and she's going to break too at different points. But we trust each other and love each other enough that we can handle it. I just don't know how. (laughs) That sounds nuts.
1: (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, that's. I'm really excited for you and to just hear what you learned, not not just the process coming up to it, but that actual day, mm-hmm. and then like how many days it took after you were done for you to be able to walk again, because that's going to be really <laughs> interesting too. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: a very good point. I hadn't thought that far ahead.
1: Well, let, let's not think there yet. Let's wait till <laughs> you. Yeah, <laughs> you can think when it starts to come. Like, why are my legs not moving? <laughs>
0: Cause I travel to Oregon on a plane the day and hop on a flight after the last day of riding. So after 500 miles, that's what, that's what I'm like, how is that going to be just sitting that long and how stiff are you going to be? Yeah. But yeah, I'd love to come back on and we can have a whole chat about it.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm excited. Uh, Guys, stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, Dr. Corey, where can people connect with you on social? Because I'm sure you're going to be posting about that ride in the moment.
0: Yeah. So Instagram will be a good place. And uh, it's at the Diet Doc Life and website, because I'll be talking about this on our podcast too, the Diet Doc Life Mastery podcast as well. You'll probably hear about it on there. The website is thedietdoc.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn if you just search my name. Those are the good good ways to reach me.
1: Excellent. Guys, I will have all of those links, including the link to their podcast, which is phenomenal. They do daily, Monday through Friday, and it's pretty amazing the content that they do. Really great um, information as well. So all those links will be down in the show notes. Along with the Facebook group, if you're interested in joining that, if you're really at the point where you're ready to make a change. We talked about all the ways to do that. If that sounds like something that you feel like you can do after listening to this podcast and you feel ready to make that leap, to bridge that gap from where you've been to where you wanna go and you're tired of waiting, you're tired of going through the the fad diets of the cookie cutter plans and you really wanna make this something stick long-term so you can really feel that success day in and day out with the group that supports you, where you are, and has your back, this group is for you. Uh, It is application only. So a link for that will be down below. Again, I will be leading this along with my colleague and friend, Dr. Kevin Brunacini. So there will be tons of interaction. Uh, I guarantee and promise tons of corny jokes. So you might not like me after, um, but if you do throw in some courtesy laughs, that would be much appreciated. And that's really all I ask. Show up and do some giggles.
0: Oh, that sounds awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so Dr. Corey, wishing you all the luck and enjoyment for your ride. I know you've been preparing for that for a long time. That's going to be really, really exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to cheering you on and hearing about all the victory wins, not just from finishing, but in your, in your mental game as well. Um, and also uh, with Brittany, who's your co-writer. Mm-hmm. So that'll be phenomenal. Um. So Dr. Corey, thank you so much for being on here. Uh, it's always a pleasure and I always learn a ton. I come here to share, but I always end up being the learner. So I, I really enjoy that. So thank you for, for your time and being on here.
0: Thank you for having me, Adam.
1: Guys, this is Dr. Adam Martin with the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast, signing off with the Dr. Corey Probst. Go forth, be great, and dispense your full potential. All right, Fit Farm fam, until next time, I am out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the show. If you are new to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Your time is invaluable, and I sincerely appreciate you sharing it here. Most importantly, hit that subscribe button so you get a fresh new podcast episode every single week. Also, please leave a rating and review for the show. I sincerely hope that you got at least one golden nugget of knowledge from this episode. If you did, please share this with one person who you can help dispense their full potential. That is how this community will grow organically. I don't ask for anything in return, so thank you for your action of support.